It's just into CNN showing Russian soldiers firing what appear to be warning shots at the start at protesters in the eastern Ukrainian city of Novopskov. As you can see, all those people are unarmed. Those warning shots, it seemed fired in the air at the beginning, but CNN found evidence that at least one protester was shot in the leg there. We'll continue to find more information as we can. What they were saying there was Ukraine, Ukraine, shouting their country's names to those Russian soldiers. Joining me now, retired Army Lieutenant General Mark Hurtling. He's the former commanding general for Europe as well as the 7th Army. General Hurtling, Hurtling good to have you on. You've made the point frequently over the last several days that, that the maps we often look at that show where Russian forces are in this country are misleading because those Russian forces don't actually control all, all those areas or many of those areas that they're in. And I wonder, as you look at that video there, does that give you that sense? When you, when you have people with the courage, frankly, to, to, to stand up, to, to walk towards the soldiers rather than away from them. That, that's what I've been saying uh, since this conflict began, Jim. If you, are, as a nation, have a, a relatively strong army, the support of the population and the leadership of the government for the right causes, you're going to win any conflict. Now, Russia has the opposite of all of that. They have a, a, a corrupt and criminal leader. It's obvious that the Russian people are not supporting this operations based on the amount of of uh, activity we've seen in various Russian cities. And what I would add to that is the Russian military has shown themselves to be just incompetent and uh, not able to execute a, a ridiculous plan, in my, in my view. What we've seen over the last few days, you, you saw, you just showed the film of the citizens of that Ukrainian city. What we who study this war have always been, have also been looking at is the Russian airborne troops, the so-called vaunted DDD, have performed terribly. Mm -hmm. Those were supposed to be the strike force that went in first, and that's probably infuriating Mr. Putin, but they have repeatedly been ambushed. They've lost entire units. They've lost equipment. Uh, the Russian forces, while still large, is very clumsy logistically, and I predict that within the next three to five days, they will culminate in their attacks because they have pushed their attacks too far. That doesn't negate the fact. Culminate? That the what do you mean by culminate? Many times before, continue to kill citizens and civilians and can and commit yeah. war crimes. That's the thing we're seeing now, right? Is that more and more targeting, certainly of civilian areas, civilians. We have accounts today that uh, at least the deputy mayor of the town of Mariupol told me it appeared that Russia was deliberately targeting people in those quote-unquote humanitarian corridors. The thing is, that is Putin's playbook. He, he used it in Syria. He, he used it in Chechnya in the late 1990s. And, and it succeeded, though, there. I mean, it's in a scorch-earth way. Are you concerned that that's what he does here? And, and, and if he can't win it, uh, you know, the old, <laughs> in a fair way, if there's any word, but that he would just burn the place down. And that is a concern, Jim, but what I'll say is the examples that have been used repeatedly, and yes, Russia did do the same things under Assad's regime in Syria. They did the same thing under a government that they controlled in Chechnya, and there was no fighting back from the local population. The difference here is you have a population 
that is about to, it already is, partly going into a guerrilla war. They are going to destroy, destroy troops. And Russia does not have the advantage of supporting and providing logistics to the multi-pronged attacks they've made throughout a country the size of Texas. They just can't handle it. They've, they've taken on too much, and that's why they're going to culminate. They will not be able to support their, their troops in the north, in the south, in the east, and in the center part of the country. They're trying to be everywhere, and they're going to be nowhere, which was a phrase I used about 10 days ago. So, as you know, the U.S., NATO, they've taken a no-fly zone off the table. And by the way, the, the Russian president, Putin, said today that he would treat foreign aircraft in Ukrainian airspace as, as part of an armed conflict. I mean, he seemed to be declaring war on, on, on anyone who might try that. What, then, is a step short of that that can help further shore up Ukrainian forces. They're already getting hundreds of these anti-aircraft and anti-tank missiles, and those seem to be having an impact on the battlefield. What else? Or, or is there something else that's possible? Yes, the continued shipment of stingers, any kind of endless weapons, any kind of uh, anti-tank weapons, uh, support in terms of small arms uh, for the, 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 the guerrillas that will be coming by, and all of that Literally thousands of tons of equipment, billions of dollars of equipment have already been shipped and continue to be shipped. There's about 17 large body airplanes landing in Poland every single day with new equipment for Ukraine about to be shipped across the border, and it's getting there. But I think the other important part that we sometimes don't talk about, Jim, is targeting information. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, what I would yeah. say is we're not telling Ukraine exactly what to hit, but we, the United States and NATO, are giving them excellent intelligence and helping them to conduct operations on the battlefield, telling them where Russian forces are, where they might be heading, where logistics nodes are, all of that's critically important. Yeah, and it's the kind of thing deliberately not advertised, right, by, by uh, U.S. and NATO forces. General Mark Hurtling, thanks so much as always. You got it, Jim. Today, Russian President Vladimir Putin, as we were just noting there, issued a new threat saying that he would consider countries which imposed or would impose a no-fly zone over Ukraine as participating in armed conflict. Top U.S. and NATO officials continue to refuse calls for a no-fly zone here, fearing it could start a war, a direct one, between NATO forces and Russia. Secretary of State Tony Blinken, he is in Poland right now, just across the border from here, meeting with refugees, also discussing security in the region and pledging financial assistance for the growing refugee crisis. CNN's Natasha Bertrand, she's at EU headquarters in Brussels. Uh, Natasha, we're seeing a lot of these trips. General Milley has been over here, too. U.S. NATO officials deliberately, I suppose you could say, shoring up uh, confidence visits, you, you might say, to some of these countries, particularly eastern-facing. What substantive... Lee, is he doing promising, you know, to, to come out of these visits? That's right, Jim. And I'll also make a quick note that Vice President Kamala Harris is also uh, traveling to Poland and Romania next week, also in a show of support to those eastern flank NATO countries. Um, but essentially what Antony Blinken wants to do is he wants to get everyone kind of on the same page about the crisis in Ukraine, about the weaponry that they're going to be sending, about the humanitarian assistance. And of course, he wants to show his support for how Poland has welcomed in over 700,000 refugees fleeing that violence and thanking them for being an ally that has agreed to house uh, 
American soldiers there, of course, Poland feeling very vulnerable uh, given Russia's onslaught in Ukraine. And so it's a very important ally for those reasons, as well as the fact, as General Hurtling had mentioned earlier, that this is a transit point for weapons to enter Ukraine, for, that, for those countries that want to send this lethal assistance to actually get them into the country. Uh, now, Blinken is actually meeting uh, right now, or he just did, with refugees who are fleeing that violence. And he told one of them that what the Ukrainians are doing is inspiring the world. What the Ukrainians are doing is, is, is inspiring the world. And the world is united in support of Ukraine and against Russia's aggression. And we are working very closely with our Polish friends. Hi, my name is Fred, and I'm a... Capitol Hill team is still getting flooded with reaction from several of the hundreds of lawmakers who were on this call with uh, President Zelensky, who, as we know, was in hiding during this nearly hour-long phone call. These lawmakers describe him as emotional, exhausted. They say that he thanked the U.S. and President Biden for the sanctions already imposed against Russia, but he called for more action, specifically a couple points here. A ban on Russian oil imports. Many lawmakers on this call are supporting him in that, but the White House has stopped short of actually imposing that ban. He also called for a cut on Visa and MasterCard privileges for the Russian people. Another ask increased lethal aid. And when asked what he needs most, Zelensky said a no-fly zone. Obviously, something that's been a sticking point between the United States and NATO allies, especially more so today after Putin said uh, that basically any country that imposes a no-fly zone over Ukraine is basically Built guilty by association with his war, but Zelensky is asking lawmakers uh, to plead with NATO allies to basically impose this no-fly zone over his country or to give him the resources and the planes to do it himself. Listen to what Senator Lindsey Graham had to say in response to this call today. Apparently the United States is part of the problem, not the solution, with planes and drones. Uh, President Zelensky indicated that Ukraine would be a more effective fighting force, so let's get them the planes and drones they need. The President emphasized that the oil and gas sector of Russia needs to be sanctioned. Anything that could hurt the Russian economy will help the Ukrainian people. And Alex, as this call was ending, we know from lawmakers, they said that they unmuted themselves on the Zoom call and just expressed their support for Ukrainian President Zelensky, saying that they will help him and support him as best they can. Yeah. Okay. Ali Rafa, thank you for the latest on that. Uh, really emotional time there in Congress. State Department now. Walk us through what you're hearing. Well, we should point out, first of all, Tiffany, that the U.S. government has been urging Americans for weeks now uh, to consider leaving Russia. So a part of this, you know, it builds on what the U.S. has been saying for some time, that there are risks right now to Americans uh, who are remaining in Russia and that it could become more and more difficult to get out. But the previous 
travel warnings from the State Department used language that said Americans should consider leaving, should urgently look for options to get out of the country that do not involve the assistance of the U.S. government. Today, this updated travel warning is significantly strengthening that language. There's no consider, there's no look into the U.S. government saying now U.S. citizens who are in Russia should leave immediately. And part of what they are looking at is not only the fact that given that the U.S. and the EU have now banned Russian airplanes from their airspace and vice versa, meaning that it's much difficult, more difficult to get out of a flight out, but also the fact that the U.S. has a diminished diplomatic presence in the country right now as a result of uh, the mutual rejections, uh, uh, evictions, uh, we call it persona non grata, but uh, essentially uh, kicking out each other's diplomats means that there's not as many U.S. diplomats on the ground right now in Russia who are able to assist U.S. citizens should they get into trouble, should they need help leaving the country, or should they uh, have something happen to them in Russia and need consular assistance. Uh, if under international law, if an American citizen uh, were to be detained in Russia, for example, uh, the Russians would be expected to provide consular access, meaning a U.S. diplomat would be able to go visit them, uh, help them uh, to a certain degree to coordinate uh, legal services or other uh, help that they might need. But that is a diminished capacity that the U.S. government has right now. Uh, and this builds on reporting that we put out at NBC News a few days ago uh, saying that several U.S. officials were uh, telling us that the U.S. government was very concerned uh, about the possibility that Russia could detain U.S. citizens who are in Russia uh, as a response and retaliation for U.S. sanctions and stepped up pressure, uh, particularly that there was a concern that they could detain uh, U.S. business people who are operating in the country who comply with those US, U.S. sanctions. So that increases the urgency for the U.S. government in wanting to make sure Americans there get out while they still can. The State Department saying in that most recent travel warning just a few minutes ago that limited commercial flight options are still available. Those, of course, are not direct flights to the U.S. They're not direct flights to the EU, but ostensibly people in Russia could still fly via Dubai, via Tel Aviv, uh, other uh, regional transportation hubs, and then make their way to uh, the U.S. or somewhere else. The government at this point saying that Americans should find their way to any country other than Russia, Tiffany. That's, that's quite frightening, uh, Josh. I, you know, I know you've been reporting, um, but I do want to draw your attention to, we just brought uh, breaking news last segment, uh, Brittany Griner, she's a WNBA player. She has been detained by Russian authorities there. Um, according to the reporting, she had some uh, a hash, essentially, uh, a, a, I believe, a hash cartridge uh, filled with oil. So what you're saying is uh, compounding uh, with, with what we're hearing about her being uh, detained there as well. So I, as I understand it, um, there will be no assistance to help the Americans flee Russia, if that's what you're saying. Not exactly. The, the remaining U.S. diplomats who are working in Russia, as well as their colleagues who are outside of Russia, who are in neighboring countries or who are at the State Department in Washington, are still going to do everything they can to help Americans. But the State Department is warning that their ability to do that is severely limited and is diminishing. Uh, so that means that even if the State Department and its diplomats uh, want to help and try to help, they may not be able to provide the kinds of assistance to Americans who either want to leave or who uh, get into some type of an issue in Russia that they would under normal circumstances.
And, and Josh, I just want to be clear because I know that you were saying before that they, there was encouragement, strong encouragement to leave. Uh, the stark contrast today is to leave immediately. Um, I, I just I know you spoke a lot about it before, but is there something, a, a major thing that happened that uh, prompted this change in guidance? Well, we don't know exactly, but I think that the signs have been mounting uh, that there are increasing concerns about Americans in Russia. Most recently, there was the announcement in Russia that uh, that, that journalists who uh, r report uh, in a way that the, the Russian government doesn't feel is factual uh, could be subjected to up to 15 years in prison. We heard from the Russian top diplomat, Sergei Lavrov, today saying that that law needs to be implemented. They need to actually act on that law. So uh, that speaks directly to the kind of growing reasons that the U.S. government is seeing uh, to be able to now make this recommendation that all American citizens who are in the country should leave. Uh, quite frightening, Josh. Uh, we will definitely keep our eye on this. Before I let you go, just one quick question. Um, you know, we have a lot of uh, journalists across the country uh, in Russia helping to bring this very important uh, story. There's a lot of protests happening in Russia, over uh, 100 protests uh, in different Russian cities, including uh, President Vladimir Putin's home uh, city of St. Petersburg. Uh, what does this mean for journalists who are there helping to tell these important stories? Well, all I can say is that, you know, there is that new law that we discussed that uh, certainly has caused some concern. And we know that a number of Western news organizations such as the BBC uh, and others have announced that temporarily they will not be broadcasting out of Russia while they examine this new law and the implications for it. Josh, thanks so much for uh, bringing all this breaking news to us. This is uh, quite the developing uh, story. We will definitely keep our eye on it uh, all morning. And we're going to bring in our panel into this discussion now um, to talk about what the great reporting that Josh uh, just informed us. Malcolm, uh, I, I want to turn to you on this because this is your lane, my friend. You are um, such a value uh, to this network right now. Uh, walk us through what you just heard Josh say. What does this mean uh, for Americans who are still there? Well, you know, there are generally tens of thousands of Americans in overs who are working overseas or who may be dual national citizens. We saw this problem with Afghanistan. We tried to get out every one of the American citizens. There were many who didn't want to leave. This is the exact same circumstance. The, we do have limited consular uh, capability. We tend to rely on other embassies who might have uh, diplomatic relations. I don't know whether this is a run-up to a complete and total diplomatic break with Russia. I mean, it seems very dire the way that they're putting it. But again, like we saw with the WNBA player, this is a circumstance that Russia can exploit through a hostile government detention. By the way, can I make a quick point about that? By arresting an African-American woman, the charge she's going to be done, it, uh, done with is they're going to try to zip her up as a U.S. drug dealer bringing drugs, Africans bringing drugs into Russia. And they are going to get her to confess to something, and it's going to hurt. And it's going to hurt every other citizen in the, in, who remains inside of Russia. So people, if you can leave, leave. Very, very frightening indeed. Nola, uh, this is also your lane. Um, happy to have you here this morning. What's your take uh, on this latest guidance um, out, of, out of Russia, the new law in Russia that, you know, protesting uh, could lead to 10 to 15 years in prison, yet the people persist. They're still protesting. What does that say about what's happening on ground there? 
The first thing that it tells me is that the Russian people didn't want this. The Russian people didn't want to wake up to war. And now we really are in a situation where things are escalating. As I'm watching the footage, as I'm listening to um, the on-ground reporting, the only thing that I could think of is we're going to be doing this for a while. I just got really scared and really nervous because this has really changed the calculus. You are now detaining Americans. And then, like I said, my worry is, like Malcolm just said, that Britney will be exploited. And the way that it's going to reverberate back here, people are gonna want the US president to do something to get her out of there. And it's going to cause more friction, more internal friction here. So in terms of strategy, I'm seeing how this is going to play out and I am getting nervous. This woman will be exploited. And not to mention the other Americans who were there, but her race and her gender has a lot to do with it. And I am just really nervous for where this is going to go. And and one of the things that, you know, I definitely want to want to implore is that right now, America, we need to be more united than ever, because the way that these campaigns are going to work against us, we've seen it happen time after time after time. But right now, it's just gotten really, really serious. And right now, division is not what we need. I completely agree, Jason. Uh, something that makes me very nervous uh, about all of this happening um, is I wonder what it will take to have direct engagement from the U.S. government. Um, they have one of our citizens. They're saying Americans leave. What does this mean for us domestically? Well, you remember a couple of years ago, you had uh, one of the ball sons get caught up in something in China. Yeah, that's right. And supposedly he had this situation back and forth, and Donald Trump tried to take credit for it, et cetera, et cetera. This might be an instance where the president of the United States has to make a particular call. But I want to add to this, because I think this is important. There's just a practical issue here. <clears throat> Have you ever tried to leave town at the last minute? In the United States, that's not easy. Yeah. This isn't cheap. Right? We're talking about we're talking about price inflation. We're talking about six, seven hundred dollars to, to get in an Uber. This is not going to be easy for the Americans who want to leave. Not everybody there is rich. And I want to also say this: when we talk about exploitation, we talk about how people are treated by different kinds of government. Brittany Griner isn't just a black woman. She isn't just a WNBA player. She is a queer woman. Mm -hmm. And we know the kinds of issues and yeah. how the LGBTQ community is treated in Russia. This is uh, you know we don't know if she's there with her spouse or anything else like that. But this could be a very very, very difficult situation and one that probably would require the United States to get involved. So I, and, and it's not going to be the last story like this. There yeah. will be other people from local towns. There's going to be somebody in Houston and somebody in Austin and everything else like that screaming, going on Facebook saying, I need to get out of here. We don't know how this is going to work now. And it's going to be a very, very dangerous and very touchy situation for the next couple of weeks.
Thank you.